Welcome back to the Hungry Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Moose, and we're here to get rid of the starving artist mentality by talking with hungry, driven, passionate artists and hearing their recipes for success each week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Hungry Artist Podcast. This episode, I'm talking with Edry I. Hudson, an award-winning writer-director who is also a producer with a ton of producing experience, but has won awards for her dramatic short films uh, that really tackle big social issues. So we dive into the pre-production process in this conversation, as well as she just ran a very successful crowdfunding campaign for her latest film, Hiding Spot, where she raised over $25,000. So you're going to want to take notes. This is a great episode, lots of great takeaways, as well as uh, we talk about her writing process and how to develop conflict and characters. So much good information in this conversation. So I really hope you enjoy my talk with Edriai. Well, welcome to the podcast, Edriai Hudson. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yay. Well, <laughs> Yay. I am going to dive right in because you have just been in production on your latest short. So first, can you tell us what the film is about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have practiced this log line. Um, <laughs> and pitch, go. <laughs> and pitch, elevator, go. 30 years following a traumatic experience, a woman realizes that she never dealt with the trauma of her past, of her childhood, and that in order to heal, she'll actually need more than just therapy. Mm. So you did three days of filming, correct? Yes. And how did it go? It was amazing. It was better, better than amazing, better than I could have imagined. Um, all the things. Oh, good. Well, I was all gonna ask because I feel like in production we always come up against obstacles, unforeseen circumstances. Was there anything that you went wrong or problematic day of that you had to overcome? I mean, <laughs> just like this one random crazy thing that like wasn't even us um and i didn't know about until like we wrapped the day mm. but the location had like double booked us and had somebody coming in that night that needed to do like some pickup shots so we had paid extra to like stage our stuff overnight because we filmed in the same location for the whole three days so we didn't have to do any moves like it could be you know easier on us and so then we're like all getting ready to like make it safe and just walk away for the night. And the producer's like, Hey, we actually got to wrap our stuff up and like lock it into these bedrooms <laughs> because they need the living room for these pickup shots. Oh, wow. We're like, what? So yeah, that was a bit scrambly. Scrambly but... time wise, get your things. And then you're still mm -hmm. filming the next day. Yeah. I gotcha. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. So not, mm -hmm. Maybe too terribly. It sounds like everything else went okay. Because it was it, like it was really ridiculous. Like it was such a good shoot. I love it. You know, like it was such a good shoot. And I mean, granted, like the efforts going into pre-production were like were grand. You know, like I did a lot of work. My two producers did a lot of work. Like it was like we were really like working it out. So then 
it's 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 what I like to expect that if you do the work in pre-pro, then production goes smoothly. Well, and let's talk we a little really bit about that. like the specifics of pre-production. So are you like okay. storyboarding, shot list, like what, how, first of all, what was like the time frame like of pre-production and then what are like, yeah, everything that goes into it and how do you have that working relationship with your producers and, and kind of say you are responsible for this or we're collaborating on this. What does that look like? Yeah. So even before storyboards and shot lists, it was, I was the writer, I was the producer, right? So once I got the script to a point where it was like, okay, it's written, now we can start producing. And even before that, let's do this timeline. Okay. All right. So I had a different producer in the beginning. Um, and it was like September, October, we were working together, got, you know, getting the script to a good point. Um, decided to start crowdfunding like November, do a six week crowdfund. So November 1st to December 15th crowdfund. Um, Which I have questions about raised... too, but we'll, we'll, yes. yes. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> so we raised our goal, 25,000. Um, it didn't pay out until January 3rd, which I didn't even think about oh. before. But when we get back to the crowdfunding questions you have, yeah. that's important because taxes. So January 3rd, that came. Um, I was panicked because what I really needed was 50 grand to write the short that I, or to shoot the short that I had written because it took place like half of it in the 90s, half of it with kids, like lots of locations, lots of cast, all this stuff. Um, my husband said to me, like, you have $25,000, you can shoot a short maybe just take your log line and switch the story up and make it a $25,000 story. I reworked the story, um, reduced the cast drastically, cut the kids out, you know, the, the flashbacks, all that. Um, I have one flashback, one kid, just my cousins also in just like a, a scene, just, you know, Cute. resourceful. I indie, yes. I indie budgeted an indie film made this film. Mm -hmm was able to bring on a, another producer. Also, um, the DP reached out to me during the crowdfunding campaign and I had worked with him before and he was like, Hey, do you need any help? I have a new camera, like blah, 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 blah. And at the time I was in talks with somebody else who was going to DP, but Mikey who ended up being the DP was just like, we just kept talking, you know, back and forth and something was like, maybe you should just work with Mikey. And I was like, okay. So I was like, do you want to shoot this? And he's like, absolutely. And unbeknownst to both of us, that would be the start of him actually coming on as a producer. Mm -hmm. Because from that point, we were like hand in hand. This was before I even brought on like my new producer. The other producer that I had originally before I went into crowdfunding um, had another project come up. And so gotcha. he left to go do that. So it was just me by myself. I was stressed. I didn't have enough money. Now I had somebody else who was helping me reworking the script, reworking the story. Um, I do want to pause for a second because I just want to yeah. like footnote how incredible it is that you you had someone come on board that was like really passionate about the project and what you were doing and clicked with you. And I just I, I just think that's important for us to kind of say like, hey, have people surround yourself with people who get what it is that you're doing and are going to champion the project as well. 
and and more than that, what I what I have been telling people in these like these past years that I've been working in production is anytime you're crewing up, if you start to have a bad feeling about somebody, mm. go with that. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, go with that, especially if it's like your own project. Mm-hmm. Go with that. Because like you just just, you know, like if you have a bad feeling about somebody, like it could be for a reason, yeah. you know? And so I had in, in this project, I had good feelings about people Great. and I was like, Oh, this is interesting. And I went with that and it turned out to be, you know, like the right choice. Beautiful. So I had a good feeling about this guy. And so I was like, okay. And he really helped me like produce this until we brought the other producer on. Um, and once we brought the other producer on, I was able to say, I don't want to produce anymore. I want to start being able to direct, mm-hmm. like, can you handle all the things. And at this point we had already crewed up between me, Mikey, and then my other producer's name is Louise. She goes by Louie. Um, between the three of us, we had picked people that, you know, were available, who were interested in the project, you know, who wanted to come on. And it, it worked because we had like the A team, you know, like it was just like everybody picked the people they wanted to work with. And it was just such a great set, such great energy. And so once I turned producing over to Louie, I was able to work like hand in hand with Mikey and we would like, we built the shot list together and then we went through and for the storyboard, we just did um, references from like TV shows and films and stuff like that. Just screenshots Mm. of like, like this is what we want, you know, like this is what the two shots should look like. This is what the over over the shoulder should look like. Like, this is what the, the yoga scene should look like, you know, did you find things like that? um, Like locations before doing the storyboard or I'm just curious how that factors in, in which you do first. Yeah, no, we found the location first um, because we wanted to make sure that we could use all the locations just in one location. Mm. So in the script, we have a house that's got a living room, a bedroom, um, I think that's in an office area. Um, and then we have a therapist office and then we also have a therapist who's on vacation and then... We also had uh, like a shed type area. Mm. And so we were able to find this house that had all of this stuff just in in the house. So we didn't have to do location changes. We just moved from room to room. Right, right, right. Which worked out. That's good. Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. Continue with your your storyboarding, your shot listing. Yeah, so that was – it was nice to be able to like – put the producing down. Should, should I tell people like my day job is producing? Yeah. So that's what I do. <laughs> like, yeah. A l- little background about me. <laughs> um, yeah. I went to film school. I got my master's in filmmaking. Um, so I love writing and directing, but out of school, I was able to get jobs, um, you know, starting as a PA and whatnot. So I, I've climbed up this production ladder, even though my true passion is writing and directing, Mm. but producing is what, you know, pays the bills. And so it was really hard to step away from producing this project, even though like I didn't want to produce. 
Yeah, is that like like a control? Like you're like, I have to have my hands on this and now you've got to trust other people. Yes, but no. And so this is what Louis said to me. Louis was like, I can tell the things that you like to do when you produce (laughs) because those are the things that like you have your hands in. Like I'm all about crewing up. Mm you know, like I'm all about food, you know? So it's like, I'm like, no, I can, I can get our crafty. Yeah. I can, I can pick our menu for lunch, you know? And I'm like, you can handle the contracts and the, you know, the agreements and the insurance and yeah, yeah, all of yeah. that stuff. The paperwork. Like, oh. <laughs> paperwork. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. You, you can handle dealing with the location. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, well, but, um, yeah. When you're talking with your DP, who's also a producer, I am still struggling with the, how did you come to, we need three days for this? Like, um, are you looking at page is a minute or like how, because I'm still trying to figure out when you're talking with a DP, how much time you need for setups. Yeah. Well, so it was an 18 page script. Um, and so I did the, the schedule, um, I needed to do a schedule first in order to do a budget. And so that was one of the things that I did, you know, first before I brought other people on was here's a schedule. Here's what the budget's going to be. Um, it's going to take three days. Like if we do six pages a day, that's what it's going to be, you know? Um, and so, and then once we got an AD and brought her on, she redid the schedule and it ended up being like, six and three fourths pages the first day, like eight pages and some change the second day. And then like, you know, whatever the last day. And then we also had to like load out yeah. the last day too. Yeah. So I'm just curious. Cause mm-hmm. I know obviously you're like looking at the location, like, okay, all of the living room scenes, but if you're like, okay, I know I need this two shot, this close up, this over the shoulder, like how do you factor in all of those need different lighting setups and everything. So it's not just yeah, by like so, page. It's like also how many shots do I need? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, we did everything scene by scene. We didn't do it based on like setup or whatnot, but okay. what we did do was, you know, we went through and we were like, which scenes need the most attention? Which scenes do we need to spend longer on? Which scenes do we owe more setups? You know? So it was like, yeah, we may have a living room scene, but maybe this is a scene that we can cover in a two shot and then an over the shoulder and an over the shoulder Mm -hmm. and maybe closer, you know, in on these over the shoulders or singles even, you know? Um, And because you did all this pre-production, was it pretty close to what happened on set day of, or were you finding yourself in different times? Like, Oh, this took a little longer. This didn't need as much time. Yeah. 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 You know, so like the first day, Um, there were scenes that took a little longer and things started to get tense, but then there were other scenes that like just blew through it. Yeah. Blew through and we made our day, you know? And like, so when Mikey and I were building the shot list, you know, and I was like, so excited, he was like, yeah, you know, I was like, yay. And he said, okay, but don't forget, like, you may have to like lose some of these shots. And I was like, what we're not going to (laughs) do is already start with that. Like we just finished the shot list. We're happy. Let's just be happy Let's with this, okay? <laughs> We're not going to start talking about losing anything. <laughs> We're going to talk about being happy with this. So, and we didn't have to cut any shots. Nice. And it was so funny how, like, the first day I said to I said to the AD, um, 
I was like, okay, so how many shots do we have left after this? And she was like, well, um, because you just added a shot, then you have it. I was like, oh, I like how you just snuck that in <laughs> casually. I added a shot. Um, but we didn't have to, we didn't have to cut anything. Like we made our day. We didn't have to cut anything. There were some things that naturally cut themselves, mm. you know, like, oh, we ended up actually getting this when we did this other shot. Right. So we don't need to focus in on this anymore. Gotcha. Like, gotcha. Well, when you're doing yeah. like the scheduling and the shot list, are you taking into account like, um, maybe this is going to be a more intense scene for my actors. We'll like start there or maybe like we'll build up to it. Like what, what are your thoughts there? Because you're dealing with some pretty heavy scenes, I imagine. So, I mean, we had some heavy scenes, um, heavy, you know, like emotional content and we had an intimacy coordinator on set just to, you know, be support for all of that, you know, and for, for me, for the, for the actors, um, in dealing with this content and she had like sage oils and things like that to just kind of like cleanse the space. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was nice. Um, but giving, giving those emotional scenes room to breathe and giving the actors like space to, to feel safe and also to like, you know, get into character and then like decompress and get out of that role, you know, like out of that scene for the next scene. So that was something we built into too, was, you know, the characters have, the character has panic attacks. So, um, you know, like maybe we don't go from a panic attack scene to a happy scene. Maybe we do it in the reverse. We do the happy scene first, then do the panic attack scene. Then we break, you know, like, and completely get out of that setup or something like that. And just, you know, give her space. So I want to ask a little bit about then your process directing actors and how do you get that performance out of them? And also, did you have time since you had so much or you did a lot of pre-production? Were you able to rehearse with them at all? Yeah. So that's actually how we set, I guess, kind of the shoot date. Um, so I had my two main actors already, um, already cast. Um, they're both close friends of mine. Um, I, I started with Aisha. Um, I told her like, Hey, I want to write this film. Will you play the lead? And she said, you know, like anything for you, of course I I got you. And I was like, thank you so much, my friend. (laughs) And then, um, I wrote a character for her husband, you know, or not for her husband, but I wrote the husband character and I asked my friend Gerard and I was like, Hey, will you, play this husband role and he was like yeah of course and you know the character morphed a lot from the original script into what it ended up being um and so I brought them both together along with Mikey in May and we did a table read to just kind of like go through and see like you know the get a feel of of the screen and the screen get a get a feel of the script Mm -hmm. and the story and all of that and just see like were these arguments legit, you know, where would, where would you really take them? So they did some improv for that. And, you know, we got some things figured out. And so they were pretty comfortable and confident with their characters. Um, You know, so then like once we got on set and we did another table read, once we got um, the best friend character cast and we just did like a zoom table read for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went through and kind of worked with them on, you know, through each scene. Um, so yeah, I feel like everybody pretty much knew like 
who they were, what they were doing, like, and they had seen the characters evolve and like grow with the characters and had like input, you know, on the characters for those two. And so then when I had um, Portia come in to play the best friend and then Palma come in to play the therapist, you know, I just spent more time with them on set before, yeah. you know, we got into got into the scenes. Well, when you're giving a redirect, have you have you gotten any advice, you know, from film school or for just from your own experience that there's a certain way you like to word it or say like reach for this emotion? You know, how how are you giving those redirects? So in film school, we had um, you know, it was a list of like um was it it's verbs, I think, you know, it's um you know, convince her, Mm. convince her that this is, that this is what you want, you know, and if convinced doesn't work, then plead, plead with her that this is, you know, so you can get, so you can get, but it's like, so it's not, not telling them like emotions. It's, it's more of just like, um, it's like giving an objective, an objective, a goal in the scene, you know, like something like that. Interesting. What's that collaborative Mm -hmm. process like for you? Because again, I feel like I think a lot of directors might get stuck in like giving a line read or like the actor isn't doing it exactly as they envisioned. And of course, sometimes it might be better, but if you're just not uh, connecting with what the actor's bringing to the table, how, how are you addressing that? Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um, So I think the main thing is just to tell them like what it is that you vision for the character, you know? So it's like, um, so for example, like with Portia playing the best friend character turned shaman, mm. you know, it's like, I, you know, like your best friend is going to see you as her best friend and that's who you are in these scenes. But then when it's shaman time, she's going to be, <laughs> you know, like this is, this is a side of you she hasn't seen before, you know? And so, and this is this is going to be something that is, is new to her and she is trying to figure it out. So this is something that like, it's, it's, it's like convince again, it's like, you know, but you are an extreme version of somebody she has not seen before. You're not the best friend anymore. You are now the shaman who has, you know, you've embodied this space. So interesting. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you had them at table reads and of course you were the writer and we've spoken before about like um, scene arcs, character arcs. Can you get a little into that with, I know you spoke about like the, the positive and negative, but then you had another method that you were using. Can you talk about that? You remember it was like a, (laughs) you remember it it was, um, how a character will have, I think it was like a positive and then switch to a negative oh. and then it's like, how are they ending? But then you were doing like a new method. Okay. okay. So yes, not, do I not remember that from today? <laughs> no, not today. Do not I remember today. that from, yes. <laughs> from our lives <laughs> when we've spoken yes. before. <laughs> yes, I do. I was like, how did I forget talking about this in the past like 10 minutes? Um, all right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't even know who's, like whose flow this is, but this is like, my husband found this um, when he was like researching writing. Um, But it's a way to, you know, like in Save the Cat, they have like 
the plus and minuses? Does the scene go from a positive to a negative or negative to a positive? Um, but the way this person structures their scenes, which I really like, is that it's six different things. And the first one is, um, what's the scene about? Um, so Edrian and Moose do a podcast. Love it. <laughs> Should I say Edrian and Caitlin? No, I, I love it. Edrian Moose. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what does what does Moose want? Moose wants to have a uh, uh, good content, good good clean content. <laughs> Why doesn't that work? <laughs> because Edrian is cussing up a storm <laughs> and won't answer Moose's questions. <laughs> what does Moose do about that? Moose uh, pauses the interview and, and politely asks Edriai to please uh, keep it clean <laughs> and please focus on the questions. Why doesn't that work? <laughs> because Edriai is a wild card and gets so upset, she throws her computer. How does the scene end? It ends with Moose not getting the content that she wanted. No! <laughs> no! So <laughs> that's, that's now how I like to do scenes, you know, cause it, like that's in the outline process, Yeah, you know? So like you do that in the outline process. And then from there, when you go to pages, you already know what your scene is about and you already have the flow of the scene. Mm -hmm. And so now you just have to really add dialogue and just kind of like expand upon that a little bit, you know, and it's a lot easier to see the scene when you already see like how it flows like that. This is going to be a, a really vague question. So no! help, help me out with it. Is there anything when you sit down to write a story, what does the story need to have in order to be considered like in order to make it a film? Like, it, like it needs an obstacle, like it needs a message. What instead of just like Moose and Edria are talking on a podcast, that's, not a great film. So what, what does the film, Isn't it? it's the best film ever. Sorry. I didn't mean. <laughs> Isn't it? So like I said, I know that's vague, but is there something that a story needs to have in order to be considered like a proper full film? I guess a beginning, middle and an end, right? Like yeah. it just needs to start somewhere, go somewhere and end somewhere. Um, and then whatever happens along the way are the things you said, right? That's what makes it a, a, a great film. Like, it could just be a film. <laughs> it could just be a film. But the things that are going to make it a good film and then a great film are going to be the theme identified in the beginning and then hit upon throughout the rest of the film, mm -hmm. right? It's going to be your protagonist having to do the thing they don't want to do, which is the theme presented in the beginning and hit upon throughout the film. It's going to be, and because they do the thing they don't want to do, then they arc. It's going to be an antagonist or an antagonistic force. It's going to be uh, the protagonist having goals of their own, which could be contradictory to the theme you know, or really play into what the theme is, you know? <laughs> so it's just kind of, it's, it's those, those things I think that make the film. And then also why today, why did we start today hmm. with the story? What happened today that kicked the story off? 
Yeah. Well, so you have a body of work and this most recent film. What are are you wanting to say with your films? Why why these productions? Um, so on my website I put that I like to write female driven films that inspire and empower. Um, so hiding spot, my most recent film, um, female protagonist, um, dealing with trauma from the past, repressed trauma that, you know, presents itself 30 years later. And she thought she dealt with it and it was done, but now it shows up in the form of, um, you know, like, a mental health issue, you know, like she's got anxiety and depression and it just kind of deals with like real life, real life stuff, you know, like, um, you know, sexual assault, childhood sexual assault, not speaking on it because, um, children, you know, don't necessarily know what's going to happen to them, you know, like, so in this story, the, the character thought, she was going to get in trouble if she told anybody about it. Yeah. And so she didn't. Um, my last short film that I did was called sisters. And that was about, um, domestic abuse. So in that film, um, you know, it's three sisters who get together for brunch like once a month and the younger sister canceled. And so the other two, other two sisters show up, Anyways, because they're like, we don't ever cancel for brunch. This is not real. And then they find out that the younger sister is uh, being abused by her husband. And then the older sister confesses that um, she was being abused by her husband and that her husband did not just um, accidentally die one night. She actually killed him. Mm. And then the short film I did before that was called um, A Difficult Thank You. And that was about actually a couple that was um, kind of in the, they were starring together, but they lost their daughter in a car accident. And um, she had put on her license that she wanted to be an organ donor and she was 18. And so, um, you know, she, she went on to be an organ donor and the mom was having a really difficult time handling that. And, um, the father and the two remaining daughters were very on board and they started receiving letters from, um, from the recipients who had received, you know, the life-saving organs from the daughter who passed. Um, and then finally the mom came around and realized like, this was a good thing that our daughter did, you know, like something good came out of this tragedy. And these are all pretty like big life things um in these dramas do you feel more drawn to like the drama genre or are you are you are you finding a through line with your voice at all where it's like okay this is an edriai production like this is what's important to me and what i want to get out into the world i think so i think so um i think that Female-driven dramas, female-led dramas, female-driven dramas are, yeah, I think that's what my focus is. I think that's what my passion is. I like, I think, tackling, like, the difficult topics. I think 
these are stories that can all help people realize they're not alone and help people heal in some kind of way. Are there any um, films or filmmakers that you look up to that are doing something similarly or, or maybe not, but whose work you admire or whose messages you also feel inspired by? Um, I really like, I mean, Ava DuVernay tells like the black stories, you yeah. know, and then like the social justice stories and, and things like that. So I feel like this is kind of on par with that, you know, not necessarily in a social justice way, but in a social issues kind of way. Yeah. And, and for it to be like a social issues uh, I want to get back to the crowdfunding because it's amazing that um, y- you really have to promote yourself and your idea as a filmmaker and get all these people on board to say, hey, come with me on this journey. So please tell me what was that experience like? What came up for you having to ask for that amount of money and kind of like what were the milestones like as you were hitting these dollar amounts and just what did that look like? That was the most work. Shooting the film was not the most work. Raising (laughs) the money was the most work. When people say crowdfunding is a full-time job, it 100% is. And so that was a full-time job while I had a full-time job. Um, so before I even launched my crowdfunding campaign, I did the research. Like I went on, I chose to do Kickstarter um, because I thought I have a lot of friends who aren't in the industry and people who aren't in the industry have heard of Kickstarter. Mm. They may not have heard of the other platforms, but they've heard of Kickstarter. Yeah. So, um, and I looked on Kickstarter to see what projects had reached their goals? What projects were $20,000 and over that had reached their goals, were funded successfully? What did they do? Mm-hmm. Was there anything they all had in common? And yes, the answer was yes. And I just, as my husband always says, copy, paste, edit. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Somebody already did it. And so it was, okay, what was their layout? What was their flow? What was the information they were giving? And the, the main thing was lots of visuals, mm. like a lot of visual components, because anybody who doesn't know you, who stumbles across your page, it needs to look like you know what you're talking about and you have an idea, you know, for your plan. So, and also probably like people care, but too long didn't read. You know, like people's eyes can glaze over. So having the visuals, I'm sure, is a nice way to bring it to life. Yeah. Yeah. So the visuals and like a visual for each time you're changing the the header, right? So if it's like story, like I had a visual and I put like story in there and it's like, here's what the story is about. Mm -hmm. It's like cast, you know, like that's a different visual. Here's what it is. You know, like um, creative names for the perks. Um, I don't know if that matters. I feel like people are going to donate what they're going to donate regardless of what the perk is called, regardless of what the perk is, you know, like if all I have to give you is $25, that's all I can give you. Even though the $50 perk is cooler. Yeah. I don't have the 50 bucks to give you. What were some of the perks that you gave? 
Um, social media shout outs, um, a copy of the, the, the storyboards and shot list, um, a copy of my, my script with the director's notes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you in the film and the credits. Oh, uh, okay. It was so long ago. No, I, I know. I know. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Amazing. Stuff. Stuff. I give people stuff. No, I love it. Um, And I think like with your film, people were really on board with the message, not they don't need the perks. But I just I just know with Kickstarter, that is what is being offered. So I was curious um, when you said you were looking at those people who uh, who had had successful campaigns, was it certain, like you said, dollar amounts that were going with the different perks like you kind of copied their levels even yeah 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 like i mean um you know ten dollars tended to just to be like a social media shout out uh twenty five dollars was something unique to the film you know fifty dollars something unique to the film plus a something else you know then like a hundred dollars, same thing, something unique to the film. You know, in every single one of those price points, it was you get the things below plus, right, right, right. you know, like a new thing. Oh, I think like some, some behind the scenes photos of the, of like cast and crew. Um, yeah. Was one, something like that. And then that, you but... had a whole video. That's what I think of mm-hmm. when I think of these Kickstarter, or any crowdfunding campaigns, what kind of went into the video and you wanted to make sure that your audience knew? Yeah. So, um, since the, the film was going to be, you know, flashback with kids and stuff like that. Like I started off with kids and, um, sexual assault statistics, you know? Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like in your face. It was just kind of like one in three and you're, and then it's like, you know, this is the stat for that. This is what happens to one in three women. This is what happens to one in three kids. This is what happens to, you know, so things like that, that were kind of like, oh, you know, know, maybe think people hadn't thought about these, these statistics and, and things like that. So, you know, the, the idea of this film is really to, to bring awareness to that and stop child sexual assault. And so I reached out to different nonprofit organizations that um, are doing that, you know, promoting awareness and, you know, education and things like that and partnered with um, Stop the Silence. Um, And so I think that that was also something that when people could come to my, people came to my page, they saw, you know, we're partnered with Stop the Silence Mm -hmm. to help promote awareness. And then we also had a fiscal sponsor in Women of Color Unite, you know, so it was, we're a legit project. Right. It's like less of a, oh, I'm just taking a chance on an unknown. It's like, no, this person already has backing and Mm -hmm. I can feel good about giving to this project and the funds are going to be used well kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Well, take me through. You said six weeks and I know you kind of did some things to create urgency around it. So what did the actual campaign look like? Yeah. So... um the way I came up with my campaign strategy, um, one of my friends had raised money to do a documentary feature. And she said what she did was she created a spreadsheet of, um, 
people she thought would donate and then another one of people who could donate like big amounts Mm. you know like a thousand dollars or more something like that um and so i created a spreadsheet i went through and i well before i before i did the spreadsheet i probably did the letter first so seed and spark has on their website like a lot of resources for how to crowdfund and one of the things on there is um an email blast that you're going to send out and it has like six different paragraphs and it's what to talk about in each paragraph. And in each paragraph, there's a link to the crowdfunding campaign. Mm. So at any point in the email, somebody can be like, Oh, okay. This, this got me. Yeah. I'll donate now. You know, like they don't have to look for it. It's at every single point. If it's hi, my name's Edria and I'm doing a crowdfunding campaign link. Like, okay, great. You know, or if it's, thank you, if you'd like to donate, <laughs> you know, like, and anywhere in between. Yeah. Um, and then it was also, don't use the word donate. It's contribute, uh, be a part of, you know, different kind of language that that's more like that draws people in. Um, but so I wrote this, this letter, this email, had that saved. I had everything saved in drafts. Everything was ready to go before it was time to go. Right. Like I did a lot of prep <laughs> pre-production <laughs> on the pre-production <laughs> on the, on the Kickstarter, yeah. you know, on the crowdfunding campaign, because that was the production. So I had to do the pre-pro before the production. Yeah. But so I, I went through, I, I made a mail merge list. Everybody I have ever emailed in my life exported into this list. I mean, provided it wasn't like at this is where I work dot com, mm-hmm. you know, like, but if it was Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo, AOL, Earthlink, you know, like, yeah, like, I'm like, okay, maybe this is still active. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm emailing you here. And I, I did it in one of those um, mail merging programs where you can track it. So you can see, oh, this email, you know, like bounced back. Uh, it's not active they open the email, mm-hmm. they click the link. I love you these know, so softwares. Like, yes, yes, yes. Yes. So I'm like, I was like tracking, like I was like, send. <laughs> Who's going to click? Who's going to click? And I'm like looking, I'm like, oh, they clicked, they clicked, they clicked. Yeah. You know, but I did a test first. I sent it to like 10 people first, mm-hmm. um, like close friends, like, hey, y'all, I'm doing this test. Did you get this? And then I'm like looking at the the, the spreadsheet to see like, okay, delivered, 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 click, 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 like all of that stuff. I'm like, great, this is ready to go, yeah you know, and sent it out. So I did that day one. And I know other people who say that um, you can do like the week before, like, hey, y'all, I'm going to do a, a crowdfunding campaign that launches in a week, mm-hmm. save the date, you know, and then day one, you send it out. So I sent the email day one. And then I was on set. I had a shoot that day that I was directing. Um, had to be there at like seven in the morning or something. And it was like maybe like eleven thirty. And I was taking a break. And I was like, oh, let me let me check my my crowdfunding campaign, see how it's going. And I already had like four thousand dollars. Yeah. And I just started crying. Aww. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel <laughs> it's <the> happening. <laughs> 
I should say I was an emotional mess this whole process. Like I cried that one when I saw the first shot up, like when the when Mikey was like, come look at frame. And I go like waltzing into the room and I'd see their frame and I was like, what? And I started like crying. I'm like, it looks so good. <laughs> I can't believe it's happening. We're here. Yeah. 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 Um, but okay. So I did yeah, the, so that was email, the day, day one. one, day one. Um, and then I think, Two weeks later, I did the email again. And then, but I had also created my spreadsheet of, and I'm keeping track on a spreadsheet, everybody who's donating all of that, people who have clicked or, you know, click the link. And, and also on Kickstarter, you can see the analytics too. So you can see like who watched your video, what point did they drop out of the video, oh. who marked this to come back later. And you're like, I see you saving this to come back later. Yeah. I will follow up with you. You know, it's like all these different things, right? Two weeks later, I send another email and this one I put like more urgent headline, yeah. you know, or subject line um, and then updated some of the info in the, in the body of it. This is where we are. Plus every day I was posting on social right. media. This is where we are. This is where we are. This is where we are. You know, shout outs to everybody who donated like, oh, thank you such and such yeah. tagging them in it, you know, like all of that. Um, so they could share it on their page, right. you know, so people could see it and click on it. Like, Oh, what is, what is this that, that, you know, that Edry I donated to that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and then after week two, it's really not any more emails. Now it's like, I'm going through my list of people who I know will contribute something and I'm picking five to 10 people to call or text every day. Mm. Hey, not sure if you saw the email I sent you, but I'm doing this crowdfunding campaign for my next film. It's very important. It's about blah, 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 blah. Are you going to be able to help me out? Are you going to be able to kick anything in? Yeah. To five to 10 people every day. Wow. It's just insane. It was so much the work. The hustle. The hustle. <laughs> like I would I would finish work and I would be like now it's time to crowdfund yeah let me just go through my list and I don't feel like talking to anybody today but I know that like I have to call these three people for sure I can text these three people I would just I went I just went down my list I started at the top and just went down my list yeah of like the 400 people that I knew would definitely donate something out of this like 2000 people I've ever emailed before in my life list, you know, yeah. like it just call and text. Oh my gosh. And didn't you have, um, like to, to gain urgency, wasn't there like a matching gift or something? Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, I knew somebody who said that they would, they would donate $2,500 and I was like, okay, don't put it in yet. What I'm going to do is see if I can create some urgency around that and yeah. say, we have a donor or a contributor who will give $2,500 if we're able to raise $2,500. And then to make even more urgency and stick with the 25, I'm like in the next 25 hours, yeah. can we do it? And then it like, and, it, it like gamifies it and people are like, okay, yeah. I have to, you know. Yeah. And so then that created urgency. And I think that was around like week four. Like, so we had two weeks left. We were at just like, I don't remember the point, maybe like 
$12,000 or something where I was just like, I'm not going to make it. Oh no. But that like skyrocketed us up into like, we're back in the game, folks. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, because we made we got more than that, like the twenty five hundred. That, that yeah. yeah, yeah. So we got more than that, and then you know, and then same with like once we were like just a thousand dollars shy of it, you know, turned it into a game again. Like, hey, y'all, we're so close. Like, we're almost there. Like, we just need this much more. Mm-hmm. And then one of my friends' um, brothers just put in like the last like thousand that we needed it was like what and it was like watching these analytics and it's these names that i don't know and so then i'm texting people in my network i'm like do you know this person like is this one of yours is this one of your you know and then people be like oh my gosh that's so i can't believe what how much did they put in and i'm like this much and they're like what so you never know never know where it's gonna come from you never know where it's gonna come from but you gotta show up so can we talk about like that mindset piece, because I can only imagine like for a lot of people, it's really hard to ask. You're asking for money. You're asking for people to believe in you and your project. So like, what did that bring up for you? And how did you combat that and get yourself in the right mindset to be like, no, we're taking this to the finish line? I think that the reason I was able to do it was because of this subject matter, the subject matter and the importance of this film. Mm -hmm. I think had I been doing something that I didn't believe in and like a story that I was just like, oh, this will, you know, like, oh, I just need to shoot something, you know, as opposed to like, no, I I have to tell this story. Like this story has to be seen, heard, known, you know, has to be out there. That made it easy to, to sit down every day and be like, okay, I gotta do this. Mm -hmm. I gotta do this, you know? And if I, if I can just drop God in here real quick. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of praying, <laughs> like every day, a lot of praying. Um, when I was at $12,000, I was very upset. I was like, I prayed before I even wrote this script, did this project, started any of this. And I got a clear message from you, which was this project is going to help people. And now here I am stuck at $12,000. How am I, what, you know, and then, so then, a couple of days later when I'm like suddenly at like $22,000, I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I doubted you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, okay. But then also, you know, my husband always says, you got to meet God in the middle. You can't expect him to do all the work for you. Yeah. He knows what it is you want, but you also have to do some work. You know, so I showed up every day and I also prayed that like the right people to help the project would come to me. And so then people I hadn't talked to in years would were just, you know, texting like, hey, I see your project. How are you doing? Like, you know, here's a here's a bit of advice. Here's something I did when, you know, like here's somebody I know. Let me send this to other people. Like people just different people coming out doing different things. You know, or like like Mikey, the DP, you know, yeah. like, hey, can I help? You know, how can I help? Oh, how can you help? How about you how about you come come all the way on board? <laughs> how about you come all the way on board? That's how you can help. So I mean it's just 
it was just, but it was, it was, it was keeping my eyes open, not rejecting anything, like looking at everything as a possibility and as something that was coming to me at the right time, you know? So that was so beautiful. I was tearing up. Um, Thank you. No, thank you for that. Cause it is so, I mean, I feel like that's part of the creative process with like everything you're doing is there's so many doubts that can come up and insecurities. And it's like, no, if you can find that trust and belief um, and, you know, like you said, praying to God, like that's, that's an amazing uh, testimony. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Earlier you mentioned like, okay, so first off is Kickstarter the one where you have to you have to hit the goal in order to get the money at all. Beautiful. Um, So you mentioned like fees and taxes. Can we get into like, okay, you've completed, you've got the goal. What happens Mm -hmm. then? Yeah. So I raised $25,000 and Kickstarter takes like 10%. So that's, you know, $2,500 right off the top, just gone. And then, um, Women of Color Unite was our fiscal sponsor, is our fiscal sponsor, and they take 7%. So wait, how does another, that work? Like, because it, it, it um, you know, because they're putting up, let's see, how does that work? It works that they are lending their name and nonprofit status oh. to, the, to the project, to the film. So now we are a nonprofit project organization, you know, like, okay. So that way, if, you know, so then it's a tax write off for anybody who donates to it. Like we donated to this nonprofit organization. Gotcha. Um, and so then, but we're able to use that also for like, um, for, for, for like goods and services, you know, like some, some places will donate equipment, donate food, donate, you know, different things because it's a tax write-off. It's a nonprofit organization. Yeah. So. Hmm. Okay. So then but, the taxes. But that was that was money money gone off. Right, up, right, off right, the top, right, right, right. So. Yeah. And then you said waiting till um, January. Yeah, but I didn't know that. That was just like so. Kickstarter. Once the project um, is successfully funded, then they collect the money. So. If you so no one's been charged project, yet. Nobody's uh-huh. been charged yet. Okay. So they charge later. So then they have to collect all the fees. And so then there's people who pledged money. Oh, there was this one guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So a friend of mine was also doing a crowdfunding campaign at the same time yeah. as I was. She's doing... Um, she was doing a short documentary and she needed to raise money for finishing funds. Mm-hmm. Um, so she started hers like two weeks before and then I started mine. And this one guy randomly like donated like $2,000 or $2,500, like some big number. And I was like, oh, and I was like, okay. And he messaged me and was like, hey, do you know so-and-so? And I was like, yeah, she's my friend. And he said, did she tell you anything about me? And I was like, so I, met, I text her and I was like, hey, do you know this dude? Like he's messaging me asking if like if we've talked and she's like, oh, yeah, he donated like four thousand dollars or something like ridiculous to her campaign. And I was like, oh, OK. And I was like, well, he's asking me if we've talked. And I was like, hmm. Interesting. Well, then her campaign ended 
and he did not pay up. Like it was just like, he just put it in there, didn't pay up or whatever. And so then I messaged him back and I was like, oh yeah, she told me that you didn't pay up on your campaign. And then he pulled out a mine also. So it's like the worst kind of troll that's making it look like you've hit your monetary goal and then doesn't follow through. So then your project's mm-hmm. kind of screwed unless you overshot your goal. I mean, it was fine. Like Kickstarter doesn't say like, oh, you didn't actually hit your goal. Okay. But, but it was but just. But still, that's just, money out of your budget. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. It does suck. It does okay. Suck. So word but, of like, warning. It happened. It happened early enough in my campaign that, you know, I was able to like recoup that money. Mm. It did just, it sucked to watch it go from like, you know, 8,000 to yeah, <laughs> to, like, five and some change. You're like, I know that's so sad. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. But so what, so they charge them later. And then what does that mean for the January, the taxes you were saying? Oh, because um, like if you, I, I'm not a tax person, so I'm not sure, but I don't know if it's like, oh, you got all this like influx of money and now you have to pay taxes on it. But I know that like getting it in January and then me shooting in August, I have spent all of it. So it's not like, oh, you're taxed on this money that's just sitting there. It's like, it's a, it's a, a, a write-off for me, you know, because it's like... It was instead of you getting taxed the previous year when you would have gotten Mm -hmm. it, you collected it in January so that... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which I had no no say over. That's just how it worked out because of the holidays and all of that stuff, you know? And I was like, oh... But that might be an interesting consideration for people when you're timing your campaign. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And did you have the money go to like an LLC for the project or like, where was the money? Is it in, directly into your it, account? Like it goes to women of color unite first. Ah, yeah. Um, they get the money. And so then they um, take their portion and then just send me gotcha. the rest. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And I did not set up an LLC. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't do that. I didn't, some people need to, I didn't, um, there's, um, we, we actually like partnered with a production company who came on as like a silent partner to, to be a part of the project. Yeah. And then we just used, like went through them with their insurance and they yeah covered everything and all of that. Interesting. So. Okay, cool. Um, I was trying to think of where I wanted to go from there because now you've done the crowdfunding, which like seriously, congratulations. I know I've heard from so many people that it is such a, it is the full-time job, like you said. And it's a beast. It's a beast. And it's, it's daunting because like, you know, I was like, I, I, I don't want to put that I'm trying to raise 50 grand because I didn't have the confidence that I could do that, mm. you know? Um, and, and, and in reality, I could have gotten 30, I think. But at the time, you don't know that. Like, 25 is a lot, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. I mean, yes. A lot. <laughs> That's <laughs> – I, I'm, I'm so, like, wonderfully amazed. Um. But you did say something when we've spoken previously 
that I thought was interesting because I myself get very overwhelmed with like the when you were saying like, oh, this is a $50,000 film. And I'm like, okay, then I need X, Y, and Z kind of before I can even begin. But I think you said like, you'll still go to like grants or something for some finishing funds. So it's kind of more about like just taking that next step in the project and then letting the next, like letting that inform where you go from there. So can you talk about that and like deciding to maybe crowdfund only for production and then look at your finishing funds differently? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've toyed with the idea of going back to crowdfunding for the finishing funds. I don't want to do it. Uh, it's like training for a marathon. It's like, I, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Like, um, but it's also kind of nice that you can be like, Hey, look, we have shot that like it's happened. Yeah. You're not just banking on a, maybe it's like, we just need help crossing the finish line. Kind of. We just need help crossing the finish line. It's not going to be nearly as big of an ask, you know, like finishing funds, like for, the editor, the colorist, the composer, the sound mixer, yeah, and then festivals and travel, right. you know, marketing and print, like all of this stuff, you know, probably like another 10 K yeah. needed, you know? And so like I'm applying for grants, um, but I applied for grants for the, you know, for physical production and didn't get any of them. Um, so it's like, you can't count on grants. Yeah. You can, you should do it, but you, you know, you can't count on it. You can't bank on it. Right. So. Where, where do you look for, are you just Googling like the different yes. grants? Okay. Yes. Love it. I'm Googling <laughs> the different grants and there's like, there's when you, when you Google the different grants, there are um, websites that have like all the grants listed. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of what works for you. Right. There's a lot of grants out there for documentary filmmakers, like a lot, you know, like shorts, yeah. features, but for documentaries, you know? And so you just got to go through this list and be like, okay, this doesn't work for me. This doesn't work for me. This works for me, but are they accepting applications right now? Yeah. You know? And so like, that's like right now there's three that are open that are accepting applications that I'm like, you know, working on applying to. Hmm. So cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is kind of the, the plan for the film once it's, once it's finished? Festivals, yeah. festivals, festivals. So um, trying to figure out my festival strategy, you know, like, you know, where, where's the best place to go? When's the best time to do it? All of that. So, um, we, you know, we're editing right now. So it's two weeks out since we shot mm-hmm. um, and we're editing right now. Um, we're close to having a, a good rough cut and then kind of like breaking that down. So I think we'll probably be picture lock in like the next couple of weeks. And so then we can start coloring and sound mixing and composing. Um, but, you know, as far as like some of the big festivals, like I know they've got like cutoffs for like beginning of October not going to make those gotcha. and I'm not going to rush. Yeah. I'm not going to rush to make them, you know, um, I'm, I'm gonna like, whenever the film's ready, I'll see what's, what's doing early 
early submissions get in there cheap. Yeah, I know. That's what and, I've been uh, looking at with the film festivals. <laughs> I'm like, okay, if you're on a late deadline, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's too funny. But yeah, like maybe like, you know, some niche, 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 niche things, you know, yeah. like, like women filmmakers, yeah. you know, like people of color filmmakers, yeah. you know, like, like, all right, I'll do, you know, social issues, you know, like all the festivals, like I just, you know, yeah, I don't yeah, need yeah. to start top tier, you know, like one of my friends was saying a good strategy is just get in. And then, you know, people have scouts at all the festivals. So mm, get in. Let that maybe momentum. they see your film there. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, have some of the other ones reach out to you. So, yeah. Well, that's the but plan. I would like yeah, to- continue. Sorry. I was going to say, I, I would like to be able to go. I want to go and, and network. Yeah. And so. Well, that's why I was kind of asking is, so that was like the plan for the film, but you as a filmmaker and uh, you've obviously had this incredible um, producing experience but definitely wanting to lean more into writing and directing and so you just said networking at festivals like is there something career-wise you think this particular film will help with or are you reaching out like I don't I don't even know like using it to reach out to agents or write a feature like what's kind of on par yeah, for you? I have a, a couple of features written that um, I think this would be a good like calling card for to be like look See what I did here? Yeah. This is a feature that I would like to shoot. Um, I can do as great of a job and or better. Right. You know? So, um, yeah. And I, mean, I would just, I really want to lean into um, directing. I would like to, it's, it's, I feel like it's good to know all the different areas of filmmaking. Mm. Um, but yes, I would like to like to direct (laughs) you mentioned like even day one of your crowdfunding campaign you were directing another project so uh right now is it kind of word of mouth people you've worked with they're like oh i know i think edrea would be a great director for this or like how are you finding those directing gigs now that was at work that was at my uh then full-time job um that i am no longer at but yeah. Um, but they found me through word of mouth, but it was for, you know, producing. Yeah. Um, like through word of mouth, through my website. Um, and so the hope is that um, people people will start looking at me for directing. I love it. And I'll, I'll, I'll randomly get an email that's like, hey, we want you to direct something. And I'm like, do you? Are you legit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) What does that look like? I mean, again, kind of the, how do I ask this? Um, Well, I kind of want to ask about director pay and also kind of like director pipeline. You know, we're, we're making our own films right here. And then you said like, if other people would ask you to direct, but then like, do you take that into the studios and then you've got an agent kind of, how does that work where you'd have an agent and you get, how do you get attached to a project essentially? I don't know. Great. <laughs> I don't know. I am not at that level. Gotcha. At all. Yeah. Yeah. At yeah. All. Uh, yeah. Right now um, 
I'm just, you know, it's just been like branded content that I'm directing, you know, like social media commercials kind of stuff. So no, no, no agent required yet. Right. But uh, one day. No, it's so interesting because <laughs> I hear people will start, you know, like they have their own production companies and they're doing the commercial work or the music videos. And so to, I don't know, is it like a leap to get into narrative film? Like, is that a, I, I don't, I, I don't even know. Like I've been in the digital world, like my whole, last, yeah. Yeah. My whole career, you know, has been in the digital world. Like I was in television just for like a quick stint doing one show, but that just took me back to more digital than not to, hmm. not to more television. But I'm, I'm hoping that this short leads me to features, which can also lead me to television, you know? Yeah. Do you have a preference Correct. with like TV film? No, I know that like a lot of times the preference is in order to direct television, you've directed a feature before. Really? And so, uh-huh. Interesting. Because I thought I'd heard like when uh, we talked before where there, there was like this documentary about um, female directors and kind of the different uh, percentages in our industry and then how what some of the uh, directors were just saying anecdotally is that they've been asked to direct more episodes of TV before they'd even be considered for these mm. kind of like studio features. But maybe that's studio features. Maybe. Though, you know, but like indie features, like if you do an indie feature, then they'll consider you for gotcha. television. Gotcha, gotcha. Unless you're in one of the like directing mentorship programs or something mm. that funnels you through to to television direct. Have you looked at any like programs like that? Because doesn't DGA have their own and who else would have? Yeah, lots of them. Lots of them have their own. Um, some of them aren't doing them right now because of like the strikes and everything. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've applied to a few of them. You know, like they want you to have a portfolio and all that stuff when you apply. And some of them are, are more um, competitive in that they want you to have done a feature before you apply to their directing workshop wow. and there's others that just um you can submit your shorts well i i did want to ask this is a little bit of a pivot when because i know you've done your directing work but i've also seen um you know you've been like first ad second ad can you talk a little bit about like those different roles and the different skill sets i get my i get all my ad's confused so oh yeah oh between first and but first, first and yeah what's first, what's the difference between first and second all right. So first AD is the one who is like your, your, your daily schedule keeper. Okay. Right. So they're the ones who are going to create the schedule, um, like the, the shooting schedule that you guys end up working off of. Um, like the producer will put one together, like to do the budget and things like that. But then the AD will like finalize it, fine to it, fine tune it, um, solidify your, your flow of the day. And then be the director's right hand. Like they're the ones that are like, um, you know, this is telling the DP, like this is the shot we're getting ready for next, you know, like letting art department know, letting wardrobe makeup know, like this is what we're preparing for next. So everybody on set can be getting ready for the next scene. And so like, it's already like prepped and ready to go. They're the ones who are like keeping the clock, you know? So 
all right, you know, like we really had like an hour and a half allotted for this scene and we're now at two hours. Yeah. If we don't get out of this soon, we, you know, we're not going to be able to make this, you know, like this thing or, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I guess, you know, one thing we did do on my set was there was um, one scene we wanted to get at the end of the first day and we just moved it to the end of the last day instead. Mm. Um, Cause it wasn't a hard thing. We were going to be back in that room anyways. And we were like, instead of rushing ourselves today, let's just go ahead and do this when we have more time anyways. So then that worked out well. Um, but yeah, so that's the first AD who's like doing more of that, like the schedule keeper more of like, um, I liked ADing until I didn't. And I realized I didn't like it because it's like the eighties, the most, the most stressed person on yeah, the set. Like, yeah. like you're just like, we're not going to make our day. Why, why are you not <laughs> listening to me? Hurry up. <laughs> Hurry up everybody. Like how much longer do you need to light? What do you mean 10 more minutes? We don't have 10 minutes. Do it in three. You know, like it's just, I was like, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be stressed like that. Um, Second AD is um, the first AD's right hand. So they're the ones who are getting like the talent through the works, right? So Mm. they're checking the talent in, making sure talent's here. Um, you know, 80s, like, all right, we have scene 17 coming up next. Let's make sure, like, talent's in wardrobe for that. Yeah. So second AD, you know, takes them, make sure they get in wardrobe for that, make sure they get in makeup for that, make sure they're ready to go when they're needed on set. Um, second AD is the one who, like, who does the call sheets, um, who sends out the call sheets. Um, yeah, they're just, uh, yeah. Okay, so now that you're in the editing process and you're the director – what does that look like? Are you sitting down? You said, were you on set and you're like, circle that one. So I want that take. And so they already kind of go in knowing which takes to use more or less, or like how much over the shoulder sitting are you doing and commenting versus like, okay, let me see what you come up with. And then I'll go back in. I have never been a hoverer, you know, like I don't like to be micromanaged and I'm not going to micromanage anybody. That's just not my style. I do like to be informed though. So like, I will give you space, but I do need you to check in with me. You know, yeah. like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> like, don't make me wonder <laughs> what you're doing. Like, is progress <laughs> being made? <laughs> yeah. If you text me, progress is being made. I'm like, great. Progress is being made. But if I don't hear from you, I'm like, what's happening? Right. Um, so my editor is in New York. Um, he is somebody that I worked with at my last job and we had um, a good relationship because like he was the editor when I was the director before. And so um, we had like our own flow of how we would like edit stuff then. Yeah. Um, And so, and again, this was another one of like somebody who like reached out, you know, like, so he was like, Hey, you know, will you consider me for an editor? And I was like, Oh, I really want a woman, you know, Mm. to edit this because like, it's, such a sensitive subject matter. Like I feel like a woman should do this. And he was like, all right. And then like, we just kept in touch and kept talking and, you know, and he was interested in the progress of like pre-pro and how everything was going and something was just like, maybe, maybe Brian should edit you this. Trust. And yeah. so I, yeah. And so I was just like, do you want to edit this? And he's like, Oh yes. You know, like uh-huh. just so, and I was like, all right. And then I felt good. I felt good. I'm like, all right. I, you know, yeah. like, it's in good hands. Like, so 
you know, um, sent him the footage. So we wrapped on, you know, Sunday, mailed it out on Monday. Yeah, I wanted to ask like that technical bit. Are you like literally mailing a hard drive or? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have like, we had two backups, right? So the DP had a backup, I had a backup, and then we had the one that was going to Brian. Gotcha. So um, I I took it to the post office and had it like um, overnighted and it was supposed to be there the next day. And it wasn't. And then I was like, oh, no. Where is it? (laughs) This must be so, like, uh, nerve-wracking. But that's okay because then it got there Wednesday. And then I got my money back because there was a money back guarantee that it would get there the next day. Or else. (laughs) I was like, we see what you did there. I'll take my money back, please. Thank you. So, yeah. So he got it and immediately, like, and he was also the AE, right? So he synced this, you know, like, did the sound syncing, all that. The scripty had sent him the notes uh, every day after we wrapped. Um, in the scripty notes, you know, she had, like, written, like, no good for sound, mm. like, circled some takes, all of that stuff. But still, even after he did the sound syncing, um, he uploaded it in, um, in this uh, this one software program that we could, like, you know, look and look and see and so he uploaded in that and then like I went through and I just marked like my favorite takes anyways you know and oh. so then from do you there, mind sharing just, what that is like that you can what the program yeah, is? that you can remotely see that that's interesting oh yeah it's uh frame io oh, okay interesting yeah so on frame io um I can comment I can just click and comment and he can see exactly like the the time stamp and you know yeah. like, where it is so it's like, it works like it's in real time. You know, I just say it. And then like, we talk on the phone a lot also, you know, like I'll leave notes and he gets a notification that I left a note. And so, gotcha. you know, he, he makes changes on that or like, I'll call and I'll be like, Hey, do you need me to talk you through anything? Like if you see, and he's like, no, I see what you said. Like, it makes sense. Like, this is all good. So we went through and we did each scene like that. Yeah. Like, and he just, with him, you know, like me picking the, the takes that I like, and then he just cut it together the way that he thought like it would go. Right. And then like, I just gave notes on the scenes that he cut together. And so now we're in the process of him putting it all together as like one big rough cut string out. Yeah. Cause we've already like kind of like fine tuned the scenes, you know? And so like, he's in this process, like taking those notes and putting it all together into one big. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it's just a matter of like, how it all cuts together and like what transitions we need to find to. Well, that was something I was going to ask. I remembered I did my first film and I've edited before, but not, you know, like written, directed, all that, like wearing all the hats. Um, And that was a huge thing where I was like, man, I did not plan like any transitions, like scene to scene kind of needs to be way more thought of in, in pre-production. So how do you think about yeah, just your transitions and either getting that in camera or knowing what that's going to look like in the edit. Are you thinking about that? Mikey was. Yeah. Mikey was there thinking go, about Mikey. that. And so, so when we went through and we did our shot list, you know, like he was like, oh, this will be a good transition if we like, we end on her face this way. And then when we come in in the next scene, we're on her face this way, yeah. you know, or like. Or that you can you know, pan, like, pan this way and then you're in a uh-huh. door and then yeah. you're black. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or like sound transitions, like this will be a good time to have like this sound lead us into the next scene or, you know, things like yeah, that. Don't don't so. forget your transitions, people. Yes. Don't forget <laughs> your transitions, people. 
at all. No, but that's cool to hear that you can, because I, I feel like we're probably getting to a place where a lot, more people can collaborate remotely. So that's interesting to hear that you're working with the an editor in New York. That's cool. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Well, I think just time-wise, I'll go ahead and end it there. <laughs> so fun chatting with you. I could ask you a million more things, but uh, where can everybody find you? Oh my gosh, you can find me at all the places. Not all of them, but some of them. <laughs> all right. So my website is edreye.com. So E-D-R-E-I.com. Um, on Instagram, Facebook, at Edrei Hudson. So E-D-R-E-I-H-U-T as in Tom, S-O-N. Um, and then Hiding Spot is Hiding Spot Film on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and website, hidingspotfilm.com. I love it. And so for our last question then, this is the Hungry Artist Podcast. So what is your recipe for success? Um, got a vision board behind me yeah. that I look at every day. Um, this is not the way my desk actually faces. I'm sitting on the other side of it. So, <laughs> I love it. so you have the better background to look at. <laughs> But so I, I stare at the vision board every day. Um, but it, it really is like, I believe that I'm going to be successful, you know, and success is relative, you know, it's like, I right now I'm at a place I did not think I would be at, you know, I came to LA in 2011 to go to film school, right? I was able to buy a house in Los Angeles. <laughs> I've been able to work in the industry, you know, like my last job, somebody found me through my website by word of mouth, you know, like, so I just, I think like not giving up, continuing to like work towards what it is that I want and, you know, finding new ways to do that. And like, just continuing to build my network of people and, you know, and friends and being genuine. Like, yeah, I think people can tell when you're like talking to them because you, you want something from them yeah. versus like, you just have like an interest in this person, you know? So, but I think if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And give yourself some grace. Like, so one thing I do every year is I make a list of goals for the year. So I don't do new year's resolutions. I do a list of goals. Like, what do I want to do? And I go back and I look at goals from like 2014 goals that were like, I want to, I want to make money working on set. Cause I started off just volunteering as a PA. Mm. I would just be on set for free to like build up my resume yeah. and meet people, you know? So it was like, I want to start making money to be on set. Um, I want to be able to pay my bills. I want to have, you know, like a, a network of people I can work with. Just, just things like that. And so anytime I start to get down on myself, like, oh, I'm not where I want to be. I'm like, are you kidding? You from 2014 is killing it right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you see where you are right now? Like... You did this and it's only going to get better because you know what it is you're working towards and you're really 
actively working towards something, you know? Mm. So it feels so good. That's so just give yourself some grace. Like you're, you're still doing it mm. as long as you're still doing it. You're still doing it, yeah. you know? So I yeah. love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. I know people are going to get so much value out of this conversation. So many good things. So thank you, Andrea Hudson. I can't wait to see Hiding Spot film when it's ready. Me too. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Hungry Artist Podcast. You can join the community by subscribing so you never miss an episode and following on Instagram at Hungry Artist Podcast. I'd love to hear from you. So what were your biggest takeaways from this episode? And what would you like to hear more of in the future? Until next time, stay hungry.